Good morning, I'm Pastor Kyle Thompson. I uh, just want to welcome all of you here today, whether you're in the room here in our modern space or joining us from downstairs in our traditional service or watching online or listening to our podcast. We are one church with one God and one message and multiple ways of worshiping together. So thank you for being here today. Uh, we're concluding a sermon series today called Hooked, uh, Everyday Evangelism, which we're talking about how we can share our faith effectively. Because in the Bible, Jesus says that all of us who follow him are supposed to make disciples of all people. He invited the early disciples who were fishermen to come and catch people, and he still calls us to do that today. In fact, about 97%, uh, give or take a percentage point, of all of us who follow Jesus believe that the best thing that could happen to someone would be for them to discover Jesus and to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Also, about 97% of us Jesus followers uh, believe that this is our role as Christians, followers of Christ, to help other people be introduced to Jesus. But here's the hard part. Less than 1% of us feel that we're equipped to be able to do that. And so that's a big stretch for us to be able to go out and make disciples of Jesus. So we're spending some time talking about what that looks like. And there are two main ways that we see in the Bible to do this. Last week, we talked about the invitational model to, hey, come and see Jesus, right? Come and see Jesus. We have church, we have worship services, activities. Come and see who this Jesus is. And so if you missed that, you can check that out on our website. Uh, we have all our sermons on there, and you can go back and check that out. But I was super excited this week to get an email from someone who was here last week worshiping, said, Pastor Kyle, I really wanted to do this. And so uh, I took a step out of my comfort zone. I invited this couple that I know to come to the upcoming Wednesday night supper, and they said yes, and so they're coming. So, see, it's awesome, and we can do that. So thank you all for following up on that. Well, we're going to go into the second way uh, today about how we can share our faith with Christ. Uh, and so I'm glad you're here to be a part of that discussion. You know, I don't know about you, but if, uh, every time that I go uptown here in Charlotte uh, to do anything, like to go see the Panthers play, to go see the Hornets play, go see the Knights play, uh, go see a, a, a theater uh, production, a play, or go out to eat or shopping or whatever, just to walk the cool streets that we have in this amazing city that we have, pretty much every time that I'm uptown, I run into someone who is a street preacher, right, standing on a street corner. Maybe they have a megaphone or a microphone. Maybe they're just really yelling really loud, and they're talking about Jesus. And I have a lot of people ask me, like, you know, Kyle, you're a pastor, and, you know, what do you think of these people who are uptown doing all this street preaching? Is that really helping anybody? Is that effective? You know, what's their motive? What do you think about that? And, you know, every time that I'm asked that question, I have to stop and pause and think, well, there are a lot of people who are skeptical in the world, right? We see people uptown doing that, and like, all right, is there an angle here they're trying to make money out of this? You know, are, are they just trying to talk so that people will pay them attention? You know, hey, look at me. Are they trying to stir up stuff? You know, sometimes people can, can be really mean in what they say. But, you know, the more I think about it, the more I experience it. I think that the folks who are up there uh, in our uptown area or any city in America doing this, I would give most of them the benefit of the doubt to say that they are convicted by God to share the good news of Jesus that they love Jesus so much that they can't keep it to themselves. And they, they're concerned for people who may or may not know Jesus, and they want to get that message out there. And I think a lot of them are really bold, because if you look at what they do, what's the reception that they usually have? Either they're ignored, they're jeered, people yell at them, especially after they've been drinking in a game or something, right? And so uh, they get rejected a lot. So for them to come back out and out and out again, right, that I think to me is, I really love Jesus and I want people to know who Jesus is, even if they don't want to hear this message. 
Now, I don't always agree with everything that I hear that they preach, and I'm sure if they came here, they wouldn't agree with everything that I say I've here either. Uh, I, I don't know that some of the methods are effective, especially the yelling and the hellfire and the brimstone stuff. Uh, but again, I think a lot of their hearts are right. But here's what I think. If just one person hears that message from a street preacher and surrenders their life to Jesus, it's absolutely worth it. Because it says in the Bible that just one person coming to faith in Christ, to discovering Christ, right, that heaven rejoices and has this huge party. So whatever we think about their methodology or what they're saying, right, if one person comes to faith in Christ, then it was absolutely worth them being there. So now here's the fear that you're probably having in the back of your heart right now. Is Pastor Kyle going to ask us to go out and do that right after church? <laughs> no, I'm not, right? I think that's a special calling. I think those people are called by God to do that. But I do think that they teach us something and that all of us are called to be witnesses, to witness our faith to others. Now, probably not for most of us on the street corner, but that we are called to share our faith. So what does that look like? If we're not called to be a street preacher, what does it look like in my everyday life to share my faith with the same passion and the same zeal that some of these folks have? Well, if we go back into the Bible uh, and look at, at the early church in the book of Acts, if you want to see anything about evangelism, just read the book of Acts, right? We talked last week a lot about in the book of Acts how people said, come and see Jesus, right? When you think about the people, the main movers in the book of Acts was Peter and the other disciples of Jesus uh, who, you know, hung out with him when he was on the earth doing his ministry. And then there's a guy named Paul uh, who comes up later, uh, and their message is to, like, lead other people into sharing their faith, right? And so Peter and the disciples really kind of focus on the Jewish people. Jesus was Jewish, and the people of Israel were Jewish, and so they're, they're taking the gospel to, to the Jewish folks. And then Paul comes on the scene, and he takes the, the gospel mostly to people who are not Jewish, right, because God wants to reach everybody. But usually Paul also started with the Jewish community. So what Peter and the disciples and Paul would do oftentimes, they would go out to where people were to tell about Jesus because they didn't have built any churches really. And so they were going out in the community to tell about Jesus. Now, Peter and the disciples had some ready-made places to go. They had the, the temple like in Jerusalem, the national church where they would go and talk about Jesus. And they also had synagogues like these places uh, of, of religious gatherings around Israel. And Paul had these around the Mediterranean world where Jewish people had settled. And so they would start where the local religious folks were and say, you know about God and, and all that stuff. And, and let me tell you about how he is now uh, in the form of Jesus, right? And so they would start in these natural religious places. It's a good place to start, but they didn't just do that. They also went out to talk about Jesus in the marketplace, like going to the mall, right? You can imagine going to the South Park Mall and talking about Jesus, and they did it in the town halls, and they, they did it on the riverside. They did it on the roads. They did it in the desert. They went out, and uh, when Paul was arrested, he talked about Jesus in prison. He talked about Jesus in court. They would go to where the academic people, the educational people were, and talk about Jesus in their own way. And so they preached widely. They also had just one-on-one -on -one conversations with people. Uh, they had conversations with smaller groups of people. And they would, they would talk about Jesus uh, and, and who he was and what Jesus meant to them in a kind and a compassionate and an engaging, conversational, friendly way. Right? So that's how the early church was doing it. Right? So, so yet again, if we're not street preachers, if we're not the apostles, what does it look like? in our life to do that. I want to go to the I want to go into Acts right now real quickly with Acts chapter 1 verse 8. 
this is Jesus' words right before he ascends into heaven. He's come back to life uh, from being crucified. He's talking to his disciples, and he's getting ready to ascend into heaven, and this is what he says to them. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit, that's, that's part of God, comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, let's leave this up here for just a second, right? So you'll be my witnesses. We'll talk about what that means in just a minute, right? Uh, But Jesus says to the disciples, and I think he's saying to us, right, you will talk about me to other people in Jerusalem, right? That's where they were, right? That's the local location. That'd be like us being in Charlotte, right? So you will talk about me locally, And then Judea was like the region. It was like the state they were in. So you'll talk about me in Charlotte. You'll talk about me in North Carolina. Then he says in Samaria. Now, Samaria was a place uh, that were the enemies of the Jewish people. So you'll talk about me in Charlotte. You will talk about me uh, in North Carolina. You'll talk about me in Russia. You'll talk about me in China. You'll talk about me in the parts of town that you don't want to go to. So Jesus wants us to get out, to go out and see. And then to the ends of the earth, right? See, it's so it's local and it spreads out. So Jesus wants us to be witnesses, right? So what does that look like? What does that look like for us to be witnesses? Look at the word witness and what it means. Witness means to relate what you have seen or experienced, right? I saw this. I'm going to tell you about it, right? When, when you're a witness in a trial, what do you do? You relate what you've seen or experienced. Can you tell me about your role? What you see? Did you see the defendant do this? Did you see the defendant not do that? That kind of... You relate what you've seen or experienced, right? So Jesus says, I want you to tell other people how you've seen me in your life or how you've experienced me in your life, right? What does that look like? I want you to talk about how you've seen me or how you've experienced me in your life. Um, And so let's think about what that looks like. How have we seen Jesus or experienced him in our lives. When I read evangelism books and things like that, they always say that every Christian should be ready to, to explain their faith to someone if you had the opportunity. If the Holy Spirit leads you in a room uh, or at, you know, at your neighborhood table or wherever, your school, that you should be ready to, to tell people what Jesus means to you. And they, they advise us as followers of Jesus to have an elevator speech. To imagine you're riding with a stranger in an elevator you know, from one floor to the other, what would you say to them about Jesus if you had the opportunity? Right? And so just to get it succinct, and I think some of us would say, you know, hey, I follow Jesus because he helps me live a life that is full. I follow Jesus because he helped me let go of a lot of baggage in my life that I needed to let go of. I follow Jesus because he saved my life. I follow Jesus because he makes me a better husband. He makes me a better father. He makes me a better person, right? We, we all have these reasons that we follow Jesus. And I think it's important for us to have kind of like that elevator speech, right? This, what's this succinct thing about Jesus that I could share with someone else? Right? If you had to boil down your relationship to Jesus at its core, what would that be? But I think the elevator speech is just a start. Right? I, think, I think the elevator speech just opens the door into a relationship. Right? We talked about last week how evangelism is relational. And I think an elevator speech is, is okay, but I think it's going to be more of a relationship. I also talked last week about challenging all of us to be the Jesus person in your group. Right? in your family, in your classroom, at work, in your neighborhood, that, that people hear you talking about Jesus like in your life. Like, I love God. I love going to church. Right? You should have seen what the youth did this Sunday. The, the music didn't work, and they sang anyway. Praise God, right? And so we, we, we just let people know that Jesus is in our lives, and we get it out there, right? And so that opens doors 
to share our faith, to witness to what we have seen. I'll give you an example. One day uh, in my house, uh, in my cul-de-sac, I was rolling the trash can and the recyclables down to the curb. You guys ever do that? Right, so rolling those, you know, hear everybody doing that. And so my neighbor was doing the very same thing, rolling out there, and it's getting dark. And we started chat, talking up a conversation. And uh, he said, hey, you know, you're a pastor, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. He's like, can I ask you something? He had something weighing on his heart. He was not involved in a church, didn't have a relationship with God. But it was moving in his life, and he knew that I was the Jesus guy on the block, right? And so we had a friendship. We had a pre-existing relationship. And so we began to talk about that. God gives you opportunities at all times, right? So if we have a pre-existing relationship, we know what we've seen and experienced of, of, of God, the Holy Spirit's going to open doors for us. One place that continues to blow me away where I've had a chance to witness to people about Jesus, it's usually at social gatherings where there's alcohol involved. <laughs> so once somebody's had one or two drinks, like their defenses go down and they find out that I'm a pastor and they start asking me all kinds of questions. This one guy I wanted to talk all about the book of Job in the Old Testament, right? It's this guy who's a good, faithful follower of God and, uh, and he does nothing wrong, but his life falls apart. Like his kids die, his house collapses, he loses all of his business, right? And this guy wanted to talk to me about that all night long. I was at another party and this young lady started talking to me, found out I was a pastor and she starts talking to me. She had all these questions about God and Jesus and, and one of my friends was mad at me because he was trying to like put the moves on her and I'm talking about Jesus. He's like, you're no good wingman, you know? It's like, I'm Jesus' wingman first, right? right? Now, I'm not advocating, you know, alcoholism evangelism, but... Right? I'm just saying, in your everyday life, God's going to give you an opportunity to talk about your faith, what you've seen, what you've experienced of Christ. Just be ready when that happens, right? So you don't have to go on a street corner. Just in your everyday life, keep your eyes open and be ready to just witness. This is what I've seen. This is what I've experienced of Jesus. That's a big part. But the key is we have to be out in the world to do this, right? We have to go out in our cul-de-sacs, in the school, in the workplace, right? At the sporting events, right? When we are out, be ready because Jesus is going to give you an opportunity to share your faith with somebody, right? What you've experienced in your life. Um, now, there's another part of what the disciples did in the book of Acts is in terms of going out. So let's go back to the book of Acts. Uh, this time we're going to be in chapter 3. Uh, this is right after Peter has preached this powerful message on Pentecost. Over 3,000 people have come to faith in Christ. And, uh, and so this is what happens next, right? So Peter, one day, Peter and John were going up to the temple, right? That's the national church uh, at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man was lame from birth, right? He couldn't walk and was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. So there were these gates around the city of Jerusalem. It's a walled city and each gate had a different name. So this was the gate called Beautiful. Must have been a nice place, right? Where he was put every day to beg from those who are going to the temple courts, right? So these friends of him take this lame guy. He can't walk. They put him at the gate begging for money, right? right? We still see that today, right? We see that at stoplights, we see that, you know, again, is it a racket or is somebody really need help, right? We need to, I think we need to err on the side of people need help. So anyway, that's, that's going on here. Let's keep going to the next verse. So when he saw Peter and John, right, these are the two of the 12 disciples about to enter, he asked them for money. 
Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his attention, right? Usually when we see someone begging, we don't make eye contact, right? You want to walk right by them, pretend they don't exist. But now these disciples are saying, look at me. He's like, okay, this is going to be a good day. It's going to be a payday for me. Right? They're, they're paying attention to me, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold, I don't have, right? I don't have any money on me right now. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. All right, let's leave it here for a second, right? Let's go back to that, that one more time, right? What I do have to give you, I give you in the name of Jesus. Stand up and walk, right? Remember that, okay? Let's keep going. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Right? You talk about a life-changing experience. Hey, I'm going for some money today, and I leave walking for the first time in my life, right? And I love what they said to him, right? Silver or gold, I don't have, but what I have, I give you in the name of Jesus, right? What they're showing us is really what people call needs-based evangelism. We show people God by helping them in the name of God. Right? What happened after this lame man that everybody saw every day in Jerusalem begging for money? Oh, that's old Charlie. He's asking for more money. Asking for money. He's walking around. How is he walking around? Right? These guys, in the name of Jesus, somehow healed him. Right? We need to pay attention to who this Jesus is. We need to pay attention to who this Jesus is. All throughout the books of Acts, the disciples go and serve people with needs-based evangelism. Right? There's a whole section in the book of Acts that says where the disciples are trying to figure out how to feed hungry people. Right? How are we going to organize ourselves to feed hungry people? How do you show people Jesus? You give them what they need. If their people are starving, then you feed them. Right? They healed people. Like People were flocking to Peter. They were flocking to, uh, to Paul. And they, if they even got in their shadow or touched their handkerchief, they were healed. Right? This power of God. Right? What I have, I give you in the name of Jesus, right? We help people meet them where they are, help them with what they're struggling with, and we point them to Jesus. Does that make sense? Right, so, so the disciples went and they served. Go and serve people in a needs-based evangelism to help them out. Now, the question is, right, hey, Kyle, I would love to go out and heal people. That would be awesome, all right? I would love to make a lame person walk or a blind person see or a deaf person hear, right? I would, I would love to be, I'd love to be a doctor. I would love to be a nurse, but that's not who I am. So how can I help people in the name of Jesus when God's not given me the supernatural ability to heal people? What does that look like in my life, right? I think we need to start by asking, right, what are the needs of the people around us? What are the needs of the people in our community? What are the needs of the people in your community where you live and work and play, right? What are those needs? And, and then how has God equipped me to be able to help meet some of these needs? 
I introduced some of this last week, just looking at the demographics of uh, people who live around our church between a half mile and a three mile radius, right? This is a good place for us to start as followers of Jesus, right? People who live in South Park probably are not physically hungry, probably not going to bed starving, right? So they must have, we must have other needs in this community. So what does that look like? We need to identify what the needs are, and then how can we meet them in the name of Jesus. So let's look at some of these needs. I introduced a little bit again this last week, right? But I kind of grouped them a little bit differently. Like, so, and this is up to a three mile radius from a half mile to three mile radius, right? This is what people are looking for. And based on demographic studies that the government's done and the church is kind of consolidated, these are things that people want, right? Warm and friendly encounters, right? Our world is such a nasty, mean, divided place. People just want to be warm and friendly and have a good place to come, right? Opportunities to develop personal relationships. There are a lot of people in the world who are lonely, right? We might have a nice house, a nice car, a nice job, but no one understands who we really are, right? We want to have personal relationships. Uh, Holiday programs for churches and activities, right? People are sad at the holidays, For a lot of people, it reminds them that they're alone or they lost someone uh, who died last year and can't celebrate that or we don't have enough money to to buy gifts for our kids, right? So holidays can be a hard time, right? People are looking for uh, activities for seniors and adults and family-oriented activities, right, to come together, right? There's a social need in our culture, right, that's, that's so distant. We're so immersed in social media, but we feel more alone than ever, right? Small groups, life groups, personal interest groups, right? So there are social needs, Right? So there's social needs. How does the church meet social needs? We talked a lot about that last week with Come and See. All right, so let's keep going. All right, these are also worship needs. I would call these spiritual needs, right? People are looking for God. They may not know it, right? But there's something inside of us that's broken or missing, right? We, we need God. And so, right, people need quality sermons, um, that's on me, right, to deliver that. People want traditional and modern worship experience like we're worshiping now in our modern space, our traditional space downstairs. People want to celebrate the sacraments, right, receive baptism, receive communion, right? To me, this is a need, right? We need to encounter the holy and living and mysterious God, right? So those are needs that we're trying to meet, right? And so now along the lines of the disciples in the book of Acts like we're talking about today, right, these are needs where we can serve people, right? Opportunities for volunteering in the community. I've been blessed in my life. I've, I've been so incredibly blessed with, with my job or my income or our family, right? And I just want, I want to give back, right? So as a church, we want to go and volunteer in the community, but we can say to people around South Park, why don't you come with us? We have wonderful ways for you to give back to the community, right? We'd love to have you be a part of that, right? Involvement in social causes, social justice advocacy work, right? You just turn on the television. The past few years, right, it's been so stressful with COVID, but also social justice issues, right? People are not treated fairly in our nation or in our state or in our world, right? We, we get an opportunity to do something about that, and people want to come and join us, right? And crisis support groups, right? People in half-mile and three-mile community, right, addicted to alcohol and drugs, falling apart marriages, right, divorce, may or may not believe it, but also struggling financially, right? Keeping up a lifestyle that they can't afford and getting in way over their heads, right? There's a lot of people in trouble in a half mile to three mile radius. They don't want you to know about it, but they need help. So that's why it's important to open the church to like groups like Alcoholics Anonymous and, and Narcotics Anonymous, all that, those kind of stuff, right? And so there are lots of needs that are in our community. Right? So how do we organize to do that? In our church, we have a couple of different groups that kind of help us focus on helping people meet their needs. Okay? So the first is, uh, is our outreach team. 
Uh, this has been with our church since the beginning, 50 plus years. Uh, we used to call this missions. This is like, this is where we go and we help people who have needs like, who are hungry and need to be fed. Uh, you know, who need clothes on their back. You know, physical needs like that. They need to be tutored in the classroom, uh, things like that. And so uh, about 10 years ago, we took stock of this. And we were doing about 50 things, mission or outreach related. Uh, and we weren't really doing many of them well because we were spread too thin. And so we decided to focus on four groups so that we could have a stronger way to, to do this and do it better, right? So we focus on children and families. Uh, we partner with Pinewood Elementary, which is just a few miles away. Uh, uh, lots of folks uh, who are living under the poverty level, right? And so we, we volunteer there, or we tutor there, we send them backpack, uh, put food in their backpacks, that kind of program, those kind of things that we do. Uh, we also reach out to the refugee support uh, services in Charlotte. Lots of children and families who are moving to America for the first time. Uh, not in a good situation, so we want to help them, right, with that partnership. Uh, hunger and homelessness. There's a lot of hunger and homelessness in Charlotte. Uh, we go to the Uptown Men's Shelter and we feed hungry people. We've done Room in the Inn where we host uh, homeless people throughout the winter time to give them a meal and, and things like that. We do meal packing, right? So that's a, a focus for us. Uh, human trafficking. Did you know that Charlotte is the number one uh, human trafficking city in all of North Carolina and it's in the top 10 in the nation? Where mostly women and children are sold as slaves. And they're either forced to, like, vacuum somebody's house or to perform some kind of sexual act on somebody, right? Women and children. We're number one in the state, number 10 in, in the top 10 in the nation. That's, those are things we don't want to be in the top of the charts for, right? And so we partner with two local groups that help rescue people out of human trafficking and get them recovered and back out into the world in a safe way, right? That's a powerful ministry. Uh, we also, our international focus is on Haiti. We partner with a school and a church in Bayonne, Haiti. It's in the northern part of Haiti. Uh, there's thousands of kids there. They come to know the love of Jesus. Uh, we also, uh, lots of us sponsor a child to go to school. It's where they get warm meals. They get an education in the poorest country in our hemisphere, right? So we're trying to meet people's needs. Uh, and when we do so, we say, we're doing this because Jesus loves you. And it gives us an opportunity to witness about Jesus uh, just like the evangelist did, right? Needs-based evangelism. And we do this in two ways. One is hands-on, right? We, we try to find hands-on opportunities where you go and you feed hungry people, you go down to Haiti, you meet the kids, that kind of things. Uh, we also have financial support, right? The human trafficking, we can't really go do hands-on stuff. You have to be trained to do this, these sorts of things. So we support them financially to do and fight human trafficking, right? So it's, it's two kind of philosophies of an approach, right? So if you're interested in becoming part of this, uh, I'm going to show you how to get plugged in in just a minute, right? But these are the church-sponsored things. But we also have other groups in the church that, that have passion for other people in the city of Charlotte that, that fall outside of this. Like a small group says, well, I want to do this, or an individual says, I want to do this. And we say, well, go do that, right? The church can only focus on so much, but you go and you do that, right? Even to the point of somebody getting in the drive-thru at Chick-fil-A and saying, I'd like to pay for the meal for the person behind me in the car, right? You ever done that or seen that? And the person drives up and they say, hey, your meal's been paid for. What do you mean? They said, hey, I want you to know Jesus loves you, right? Again, needs-based evangelism from buying somebody's meal uh, to traveling to Haiti and all in between. Why are you helping me? Because Jesus loves you. And I want you to know that Jesus loves you. Go 
and serve, right? The other thing that we have, this is new for us, is called community engagement. Uh, and this team is structured really to make relationships with our immediate community. Here at the Apex South Park development here with all the apartments and, and the shops and the restaurants and the church, right? Uh, we want to reach the residents who live here and we want to be in relationship with the businesses here and then with the South Park community in general, right? And so we want to we help them meet their needs. And that's different, right? So I'll give you an example for the South Park community. Beverly Woods Elementary School is right down the street. And so we felt led by God one night to do a parent's night out. And so we sent flyers to the school. We said, hey, your parents should come bring your kids here. We'll have a bunch of volunteers and, and, and folks who are going to take care of your kids for like five bucks for the whole night, right? That's a deal, right? <laughs> I'd be paying lots of money to do that, right? Five bucks, come let your kids be here. Go out and do your thing. We played with the kids. We did some crafts, talked about Jesus with them, and and." D- that thing was a huge turnout, right? We had to turn people away, right? Because parents are like, thank you, I need a night out. I need a safe place to take my kid, right? right? Lots of these folks, they're not starving physically, but they just need some time to themselves. So that's a way of us serving the community. And people say, well, Kyle, how many people then join the church from that? Absolutely nobody, right? And that's okay. Our goal was to serve our community. We did talk to the kids about Jesus, right? And so that's a way of doing it. This thing that we're doing uh, next week, the blessing of the animals, um, as Chris said, right, God created all these animals. Our pets are like family members to us, and we want to celebrate that and take care of them and love on the animals. So I'm going to I'm gonna offer a prayer for any pet that comes here. And Chris and Nikki, I'll see you to your, your two dogs. I have a dog, right? Um, but if you, if you notice, anybody who lives in these apartments, these 350 apartments here, whenever they're walking around, they all have dogs, you know? And so we want them to know we see you and we love you and we want to care for you and for your pet, right? And so we're trying to think creatively of ways to engage our community. So if you're interested in sharing your witness, either through the outreach team or the community engagement team, you can contact me or Jenny, who's our director of events and hospitality. You can call us, uh, you can email us. We'd love to get you plugged in, help you think through how you can help somebody in the name of Jesus, right? That's what it's all about, right? So what, what's the point today? What's the big idea? What's the takeaway? This is what I think it is, right? Evangelism is simply to go and serve people in the name of Jesus, right? Last week we talked about, right, come and see, but today we see the disciples say, go and serve people in the name of Jesus, right? So I want you, right, action step to think about this in your life this week, right? Go and serve someone in the name of Jesus. What does that look like in your life? Is that sharing a story of how God has done something in your life? Is that going and feeding someone? Is it buying somebody a meal at Chick-fil-A? Is it calling the office and say, Kyle, Jenny, I'd love to figure out how I can plug in. I'd like to help some refugees in my city. I'd like to go feed someone who's hungry. I'd like to go tutor at the local school, right? What does that look like for you in your life? I'm not asking you to go stand on a street corner and preach, but if God calls you to do that, that's okay, right? But there's other ways that we can witness to our faith out in the world. Right, so just as a summary for what evangelism is over these past couple of weeks, right, it's two things. Invite people to come and see Jesus, right, go and serve people in the name of Jesus, and we can make it even shorter than that. Jesus teaches us to come and see and to go and serve. But what's important is that Jesus is the reason. The whole goal is to introduce people to Jesus, to say that God created you in his image, and he loves you, and he has great plans for you. And even when you get it wrong and you carry around the guilt of, of the baggage of guilt and shame that God's ready to forgive you, 
that, that Jesus died on a cross and came back to life so that you could live a life that is full and your guilt and shame can be replaced with joy and peace and you can live life to the full now and forever in the kingdom of heaven. That's the goal, right? And so we establish these relationships. We want to genuinely help people. And in all that, we want to point them to God because that's the greatest thing that we can do for them. Every Christmas Eve, we take up a special offering uh, for Jesus' birthday, right? It's his birthday party. Right? Why do we get off the gifts at, at Christmas, right? So we give Jesus a birthday gift, and we, we collect the offering, and we, we give it away to charities or ministries in the community. Uh, and we've done a lot of things. We've given money to these groups that fight human trafficking. We've sent kids to college who wouldn't go to college. We have helped people um, be forgiven of their medical debt, right? We did that one year, and that was just amazing. We've built uh, uh, clean water situations in Haiti so people won't, you know, die of this bad water, right? We, we've done all these things, and, and one of the greatest parts of what I get to do in, in, in the outreach team, like when we deliver these checks or whatever, they're like, why, why did you do this? And we can say to them, because Jesus Christ loves you. Because Jesus Christ loves you, right? And that's my prayer. Like, you know, those families that brought their kids here for the parents' night out, Right. None of them have really come back to be a part of our church, but what if one day down the road something goes wrong in their life and they're like, you know, I really need to talk to somebody about this. And, you know, that church was really nice. Maybe I'll go to talk to somebody there about that. Or somebody in the apartment's like going through a hard time. Like, I don't know who to talk to, but you know what? They were sure nice to me when they, they let me bring my dog over there and Pastor Kyle had a prayer for it and took my picture with my dog, right? You know, you just never know what door God might use to open through you to help somebody. Go and serve people in the name of Jesus. Amen.